Do you have what it takes to stand alone? If everybody else is saying right is wrong, will you stand for the right though the heavens fall? I want to show you some slides that come from an interesting experiment that was done after the Holocaust. Uh, at this time, American psychology was very interested in trying to figure out why it is that people would have uh, gone along with such a horrible, horrible thing. And a fellow by the name of Ash conducted these experiments. There we go. We have uh, a couple of cards, and the question was very, very simple. Which line matches the line on the other side? Is it A, B, or C? If you guessed C, you guessed correctly. Congratulations. When confronted with this test all by themselves, There we go. When confronted, with, <laughs> when confronted with this test all by themselves, uh, 90, over 99% over of the time, people answer these questions correctly. But then Professor Ash threw a curveball in the situation. He put the experiment subject around a conference table with actors. They all looked, you know, all college undergrads looked, looked just like the, the young man who was being tested. And they were told, get, get about three of these right, and then you are all going to pick the same wrong answer. And we'll see whether the test subject chooses the correct line to match or not. What would you do in that situation? You're sitting around a table with a bunch of other college students. You don't want to look stupid in front of your peers, do you? And at the same time, you want to tell the truth. And you're asked, which line matches? And everybody else says, B. Would you stand alone? 5% of the students consistently gave the same wrong answer as the rest of their classmates. That's the good news. The bad news is that 25% is that consistently gave the right answer. That means that a lot of other people were playing around with the truth. Sometimes they gave the right one, sometimes they gave the wrong one. They weren't sure what to do. And the error rate in the study went from under 1% up to 37%. Could you stand alone? I want us to go in the Bible today to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 17. I don't know where you're watching this. You may be in your church building, in which case you can pull out a pew Bible like I have. You may be in your home, in which case you might have a Bible on your phone more handy. You can go ahead and tap over here, swipe over here with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And it tells a famous story that we don't have to set up too much. It's the time when the Philistines go to war with the Israelites and Goliath comes out. 
and challenges them to single combat. We'll pick up the story in verse 8. Then he, that is Goliath, stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And you, the servants of Saul, choose a man for yourselves. Let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we shall be your servants. But if I am able to prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Now, you know how the story ends, most likely. So, in order to bring the impact of the scene home, I've selected a, a photo that I was able to find. Let's see, there it is. Oops, here we go. Well, where do we go? There we are, perfect. You see the gentleman on the right. It's gonna be, and who's facing him? A bunch of little Davids, yes? What do you think the outcome of this battle is going to be? Uh, I think the outcome is clear, isn't it? Yeah, and that's how the armies of Israel felt. Who can stand against Goliath? Over 10 feet tall, the spear the size of the weaver's beam, full of armor. At this time, the Israelites weren't able to produce even their own weapons from proper metal. Uh, he was like, it was like a tank facing down a single infantry soldier. Who can stand against Goliath? Who will go and stand alone? Well, David was there, wasn't he? He'd been sent on a mission by his father to bring some supplies for his brothers. And he was able to hear all of this. And picking up the story in verse 26, he spoke to the men who stood by him saying, What shall be done? For the man who kills the Philistine and takes away this reproach from Israel, he's putting us to shame. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Goliath challenged the armies of Saul, but David realized that this was an affront to his God. The people answered him in this manner, saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. And they told him what Saul had offered as a reward. Uh, and it was, it, was, it was a lot. Let's just leave it at that. Now Eliab, David's oldest brother. I know something about being an oldest brother. We have a pretty good place in the world, but sometimes that goes to our heads, as it did for Eliab. Eliab, David's oldest brother, when he heard what David was saying to the men, his anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. Oh, you just want to provoke somebody to go out there and get slaughtered for your own enjoyment, David. Be careful when you question other people's motives. That is the business of the devil. 
The only one who knows the heart is God. And David's heart was with God. Now, notice what Eliab says to belittle him. With whom have you left those few sheep? I want to talk for a moment about the sheep. Now, in the Middle East, sheep can still be seen grazing on the hillsides of Israel. This is a picture that was taken in contemporary times. And if you squint really closely, I think you can see the shepherd in this photo. But we have chosen to focus on the sheep for this story because the theme for this camp meeting has been reflecting the shepherd. And what are the sheep to do if not follow their shepherd? Now, sheep have suffered terribly at the hands of preachers over the years because people in my profession have said a lot of shameful things about sheep, maybe somewhat in the way that Goliath was speaking about Saul's armies. Yeah. We have called sheep stupid. Yeah. We have called sheep, um, yeah, it's basically stupid, isn't it? That's more or less what we've said. But, but notice that sheep, in fact, are highly intelligent, just not in the ways that we respect. Okay, Sheep are not apex predators. They don't go out in the wilderness and survive on their own. In fact, sheep need to be shorn now by human beings. Domestic sheep do in order to survive. But sheep are very good at a few things. And I've learned this not by personal experience. I don't know sheep. I learned it by reading things about sheep. Sheep are actually very good at recognizing human faces. They can tell the difference between people very well. And they know who are people that they can trust and who are people that they cannot trust. Sheep are also even very good at recognizing the sound of different human voices. So while they may not be the world's foremost animals in terms of being able to go out into the wild world and survive, they are very good at sticking close to and knowing the top animal in the whole world, which is human beings, and because of their close association with humanity, sheep have actually proliferated much beyond, domestic sheep that is, much beyond what their wild compatriots have been able to do. Sheep survive not because of their own skills, but because of their ability to know the shepherd. And Jesus drives this point home in John chapter 10 when he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, I know them. The shepherd also knows the sheep, and they follow me. This is the kind of relationship that David had with his God. He was not only a shepherd, but he also knew when in life he had to be like a sheep. Skipping forward now in 1 Samuel 17 down to verse 31, when the words of David were heard, they reported them to Saul, and Saul sent for David. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Who is him? Goliath. Let no man's heart fail because of Goliath, your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to stand against this Philistine and fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from 
his youth. Now, this is a very interesting confrontation because Saul was said to be the tallest man in all of Israel, wasn't he? He was, he was like head and shoulders above the rest, literally. They selected him to be king. God, God selected him to be king because of those leadership qualities that he had and, and probably also because of his physical abilities. So who should have been going out to fight the tall Philistine and take him on in single combat? It should have been Saul, shouldn't it have? But sometimes when you get a tall person, they get a little bit too afraid of somebody who's even taller. Don't ask me about that. But David, David said, I will go and I will fight this Philistine. And Saul despised his youth, as the Bible says we are not to let people do. So David had an answer for Saul. Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. He's already talking as if he's no longer going to be a shepherd in life, isn't he? Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Is that your mental image of a shepherd? I think, again, shepherds in the Bible have suffered somewhat at the hands, not of Christian preachers, but of Christian artists. Because we usually think of shepherd as, as, as this man who is very kind and gentle and tender with the sheep, which they should be. But there was a reason that the Bible has to exhort shepherds to behave in this way. Now shepherds becoming a metaphor for the leaders of God's people. Because shepherds in the Bible are rough, wild, and dangerous men. Now, this is a picture of my grandfather. As you can see, he liked Western wear. Me, not so much. Um, and this is how I, I remember my grandfather, kind of an older man who would go around his farm in North Dakota wearing these kinds of cowboy clothes. And I thought, isn't that nice? My grandfather, the farmer, uh, you know, enjoys playing cowboy. But what I didn't realize until I was older in life was that, in fact, he was a cowboy. When he was a young man, back in the Depression era, he used to get on his horse and ride the range and go out and collect all the cattle and bring them back to the farm. Can you imagine doing that as a teenager? Some teenagers today, you know, are, are scared to go on even a simple camping trip. But that was what my, my grandfather had to do as a young man so that his family could survive. And, and it wasn't easy work. It was dangerous work. You go out into the woods, anything can happen to you. You have to be ready to fend for yourself. And we see this among shepherds in the Bible. They're really more like, if you imagine a shepherd in the Bible, you should imagine something more like a cowboy from the Western movies. I mean, they even have a showdown at the OK Corral in the Bible when Moses has to take on those shepherds and defend the women's honor. Yeah. A shepherd is somebody who is able not only to care tenderly for the sheep, but to defend them against harm, whether it comes from beasts or even other human beings. David continues, your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing as he has defied the armies of the living God. Now, notice as he say, I have been training out there. You know, I've been honing my martial arts skills, fighting the lions and the bears and these kinds of things. And, you know, I, I have been trained from my youth just like Goliath has, and so I'm ready to take him on. Is that what David says? 
No. Moreover, David said, now, this is kind of fun in the Bible. When it goes, moreover, David said, that means that somebody had an opportunity to speak but chose not to. So you can imagine Saul here being dumbfounded. David has given him a chance to reply, and Saul goes, and so David continues expressing his confidence and the reason for it. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Here's the secret, friends. David could stand alone because he did not stand alone. Did you hear that? David could stand alone because he did not stand alone. He was simply reflecting the shepherd. He was following in this path that God had laid out for him. And he knew as a, as a good sheep of God that with God at his side, as God as his cowboy, if you will, with God as his protector, he could stand up to anything. He'd done it before. A young man is not supposed to be able to kill the lion with his bare hands. How did that work? It was because when he stood alone, he didn't stand alone. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with the sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. I don't know where you stand in life. Maybe life is going great for you and you're not facing any battles and conflicts. Well, that's wonderful. But the day will come when you may need the message of this sermon. But maybe you're, you're like the people who have come with me and sat in my office and said, Pastor, they're going to take my job if I don't work on Sabbath. And I've got people back home. i got to support. Would it be okay? Would God mind if, if I just worked those few hours and, and went to church, you know? Would, would that be too much of a violation of his holy day? Yeah. Maybe you're facing friends who are telling you to send them pictures on your phone that you know you're not supposed to be sending. But you wonder, well, they think I'm cool if I don't do that? Will I get a reputation among them and, and they won't want to hang out with, they won't like me anymore if I don't do that thing? Yeah. Maybe your finances are in trouble and you're thinking, well, it'll be okay. God understands. I can dip into that. I don't know what it is. It could be anything. But what I have to say to you is this. When you step up for God, it gives God a chance to step up for you. And when you stand alone, you'll find out that you didn't stand alone. 
Maybe everybody's saying, no, no, it's a bad, don't, don't, no, no, we can't do, you can't do that. But when you step out for God, you start to see miracles happening in your world. And God becomes real in your life. I invite you this evening, if this is a decision you need to make, to take a moment now, as our singers come up to sing, and pray to God, and commit to him and say, Lord, I want you to be my shepherd. And as your sheep, I want to reflect you. I want to stand up for you. And I will make that decision for you in my life.